Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 48, Maximum Efficiency with Minimal Effort. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Garrett as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks Alex. How are you? I'm doing splendid. It's a little humid here, but you know what? It's not going to stop me from doing this podcast. I've We've been messaging back and forth. Your, our emails have been intense. We talked about bittersweet symphony and copyright laws and stuff like that, but you know what? Today is about you, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, but uh, that's all part of it. We haven't got the humidity here in Toronto, so uh, maybe it's coming our way. Yeah, it's the politicians that bring it here. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the politicians, they're doing great work. It's just a really easy joke to do if you live in Ottawa. <laughs> so yes, yes, today we're going to be talking about your hobby, which is judo. But before we do that, you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? I'm uh, an older guy now. I'm now 56. I spent 16 years in the UK at one point, which is why I sometimes sound like I have a bit of a mid-Atlantic accent. I've just sort of retired. Yeah, I suppose I've I've just the last month or so, even though I haven't been doing it for a while, retired from uh, my profession of the last 21 years, which was being a psychotherapist. I, I did individual and family therapy with... Uh, in my salaried job with adolescents and their families and um, in my private practice with adults mostly, but some, some adolescents as well. And um, yeah, judo is the hobby I'm talking about today, but my other main area of hobby in many ways is music, but um, we're sticking to judo and uh, yeah, I write songs heavily into uh, the Beatles and um, Indian classical music. I, I have a couple of sitars and um, that's a whole 10 hour conversation. I'm planning a, a YouTube uh, guitar channel for uh, people who are new to the guitar or new, beginners to intermediates. See, this would have been good when I was younger. I was learning how to play guitar, but I just didn't have the patience as a young kid. But I'm sure if you had your videos and we would have like talked, you, I would have watched your videos and maybe I would have learned something. But that's something we have in common that we do both enjoy making music. I have a random question before we start talking about the topic. Have you ever made a song for yourself to train while you're doing judo, like training? I know it sounds like I'm just jumping a few questions. That's a very interesting. No, that's a that's an amazing question. Um, no, I haven't. But now you mention it, I will because I I, I need, uh, you know, my songwriting is is intermittent these days, so I uh, I need motivation, and that will give me some motivation. Thank you very much for that. Oh yeah, well today is going to be a bunch of. Random, hopefully great questions. But before we jump into too many more questions, I'm sure we've said it before, your hobby is judo. How did you get introduced to judo? I first did judo when I was living in the UK when I was 12. And um, then took a bit of a break of 44 years. And, uh, and um, but I, you know, I was interested in self-defense, I suppose, you know, being a, I don't know, medium-sized, small guy. I'm, I'm about 5'7". And I am a little overweight at about 180. But, um, you know, I was I was very interested in it. But I was also interested in the, uh, to me, it's like chess. It, this, it has the same appeal. It's, it's about, like the title of this podcast, you know, I mean, uh, how can you get the most out of the minimum, out of the most economical, not only effort, but movement in order to achieve your goal and in order to avoid being, in this case, defeated. And it's the same as in chess or, you know, that one wrong move and you're dead. No, you're absolutely right. Now, such as chess, you said it's uh, it's a physical activity that you have to think ahead of time. How many moves do you tend to think ahead of time when you do compete in a competition or in a fight? Well, I'm I'm right at the uh, I'm right at the beginning of my return to judo. I've been doing it now for only for a few months, uh, returning, and um, so that you know the the randori, the free sparring, takes place at my club, in, in the club right now, but I, I won't be able to think of entering competition for quite a while in terms of tournaments. Okay. Well, yeah, you're, you're young. You're young at heart. You have the spirit. <laughs> so I, I don't doubt that uh, you're going to get there eventually and no, one, no one's going to mess with you in the streets. Let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You sound like a very friendly guy. So they would just strike up a conversation. But uh, as we continue through this, uh, what would you say is the best part about judo for you? I think there are several things that go on simultaneously. It's it's uh, satisfying, always leaves me wanting more, uh, wanting to be better. It's fascinating. It, and, it, you know, as I said before, it, to me, it's like chess. It appeals intellectually. 
it's even though most of my interests are sedentary, it does get me out of the house or out of the apartment, you know. And um, so it is as I get older, it's more important to be physically healthy and fit. And um, yeah, so I guess those are the those are the appeals, and they're, they're all the best thing, really. I mean, it's um, and and you know what? Another thing, the club I go to, the, the people are really, really friendly. And it was really important to me to pick a, a club which had a good feel. And did you just walk into the club and then everybody was welcoming or you did some research ahead of time? The, 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 I can hardly even, hardly even say the words impulse buy or impulse. You know, I, I do a lot of research. And so I was all over the, um, the judo Reddit, and, which is a very, very welcoming community. On, I've, I found, unfortunately, over the years, a lot of... Um, a lot of forums on the net and that kind of stuff are not as friendly as one would hope. But that one is, even though somebody had a bit of a go at me the other day there, I mean, that that one is um, generally really, really helpful. And every every few weeks you see you see the same question, the question I went with, hi, I'm new to judo, oh, don't mean to waste anybody's time. And then I, you know, I have a ton of books now and uh, watched a ton of videos. So I... Um, I did a lot of research in terms of what I wanted, but I, I already knew that I wanted something friendly. You know, I, 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 as you said, I mean, I hope I'm a friendly person and, uh, and I, I didn't need any more stress in my life. Hey, you know what? Judo it seems like a great stress reliever. And that's one of the questions later on, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, it's great to hear that the community was very welcoming when you decided to go with that. Would it be called a school? Is that it? Oh, it's, uh, do, you want, do you want the actual name? Yes, actually, that'd be perfect. Okay, it's called Ronin Judo and Sumo Toronto. And it's a very small club in the sort of beginning of the West End of Toronto. And it's, uh, you know, it's just a fantastic place. And the people there are really, they're, they're long-term. I mean, the, the instructor, my sensei, Elmer, he, he has a wonderful way with everybody, including little kids. I mean, their kids have grown up there, you know. That's cool. And I feel like he takes his time with each student to work on their weaknesses and work on their strengths. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that is part of uh, what a judo, you know, instructor should do, fitting with the other basic principle, this, this whole maximum efficiency for minimum effort. But the other, the other thing that the founder, Jigoro Keno, um, based judo on, or the other idea was um, maximum, I mean, uh, was a, a sort of mutual benefit for everybody. So everybody's to move forward together. And, um, and I found that people are generally really interested in that. So it's kind of like you're only as strong as your weakest link kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, I think it's more, we're all in, the, we're all in this together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One for all and all for one. one. For all and all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now you said you took a hiatus for 44 years. You were just training. You're just, <laughs> yeah. you're just waiting for the right time to come back. What was your level when you, before you just took a break? I was just, uh, actually with, I had done karate as well. I was just—I was a yellow belt in karate, which is the, only the second level. But um, in judo, I was just a white belt. I'd had an unfortunate experience when I was twelve, and uh, one of the few times I went at that point, the uh, sensei's son—he must have been about sixteen. I was twelve. He threw me, and and one of the things you're supposed to do—it's actually structured so that you hang on to somebody when you throw them hang on to one of their arms and they break fall with the other arm so that, um, you know, the idea is to take, we're all in this together, is to take care of the person as well. So you're trying to throw them, you're trying to slam them. And at the same time, you're trying to make sure that they land safely, even if they're winded. But uh, I, I um, almost broke a couple of ribs because when this guy threw me, my he trapped my arms so that my elbows um, came into my ribs. And I, I, uh, I you know, I unfortunately let that, that put me off. I, I wish I hadn't now. You know, I wish I'd uh, persevered. Yeah, it can sometimes be one of those little moments that just can, I wouldn't say ruin it, but just put a more concern for future movements in that similar pattern. And I completely understand. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do Taekwondo when I was younger as well. And oh, right. so I'm in someone in the same field of like experiences, understanding like one wrong move can create some sort of not too fond memory of certain moves i would say yeah or even yeah and it's not it's not the yeah and like this case uh, and I, I imagine this is what you mean it's it's not the physical move it was the because i could have taken the physical pain but it was the the lack of concern that's exactly it but now as you took your break you're more aware and know 
more about yourself, knowing what your limitations are, where you want to push yourself. And I'm sure you're able to control your environment, not like as a telepath, but I mean, you can control <laughs> what you want to do and how you want to land, correct? Yes. Yeah, to, to an extent. I mean, I'm still, I'm having some problems with the breakfalls, but that's that's kind of usual. And, um, and also, <laughs> they do say, um, rather than doing judo to get fit, you need to be fit in order to do judo. And having been really unfit before I started and still relatively unfit, it's, uh, I've learned that the hard way, I'll tell you. But I knew that was going to happen. So you and I are in the same boat. <laughs> but you you run, don't you? Uh, I used to do track and field and I used to play soccer when I was young, but I took a break for around eight years. So uh, when I started playing again, I realized I am out of shape. <laughs> so it's once again, I had to take my time like you did. I have to just find the motivation to go back and just try it again. But uh, speaking about our past and just the glory days, not just our past, have you taken the time to learn the history of judo? I know probably, and I, I'm not trying to sound immodest when I say this, but I when I when I get into things, I mean, I'm not I'm I'm interested in essentially in the same things that I've been interested in all my life. It's music in various ways, playing, writing it, reading about it. Um, for one of my degrees, I wrote my thesis about the Beatles and that kind of thing. So I, I get very, very interested in things. And that, even if the interest, I put it on hold for 44 years or so, it, um, it comes, you know, it's, it's there simultaneously. So, so I, um, I really get interested. In, and part of that is, in this case, learning a great deal about the history. And I've started various um, family trees on ancestry on some of these martial artists and been in touch with some of their relatives. And today, actually, I sent some photos of one of the fellows uh, from the 1930s to, and a video of him, which is on YouTube, to uh, to a relative of his who knew no, no, knows nothing about him. So I, um, but, but I know quite a lot now and my, uh, my library has, uh, my wallet has emptied and my library has increased by about 20 judo books at this point. That's that's pretty cool that you took the time not only to let's say, well, you didn't focus necessarily on your own ancestry, your own tree, but you went out of your way to look up the history of somebody else's family tree in a hobby that you're extremely passionate about. And that's pretty cool. And you might have just opened up a door to new things to these people who learned about their grandmother, their grandfather, uncle, aunt, anybody related to them. That's really awesome. That's very honorable of you. Well, thank you. I, it, it, you know, I, it's it's more selfish. I, I speak from <laughs> a, a passion, and you mentioned the word passion just now, and I, I really, I feel this actually listening to a lot of the interviews that you've done, and I love your interviewing, and you, I think you're passionate about it, but also the people you have on, are you know are passionate. You know, when I when I sort of thought my hobby, yes, it is a hobby, but it's a passion. It would be pretty weird if I have somebody on here who wasn't passionate about their hobby. Well, some people, some people I know have a hobby which they're not as, let's say, intense about as I would say I am about this and things I'm into. You know, they they do it, you know, occasionally and they enjoy it, but they wouldn't really miss it and that kind of thing. But that's, but I, I like I said, I think I think uh, the people on your show are are exceptional in that regard. Yeah, everybody so far has been fantastic, and they all bring something different. And you're episode forty eight, so you're you're the fortieth person, forty eighth person to bring that special passionate energy back into this show. Well, that's great. Now, for you, how often do you do judo? Like, let's say, let's say these days compared to when you were younger. Yeah, I I I, I do find myself having to limit myself to twice a week. I actually have had a bit of a, a time off for various scheduling reasons at this point. I haven't been for a month, but I, I try and go twice a week. And the first few weeks that I did that, I actually couldn't walk for a couple of days. So it was good that I, <laughs> that I uh, you know, because my legs were so, you know, it just, it just I couldn't believe how, how much of a physical toll it took. And especially not only since I was unfit, but I'm older now and I tire quicker, but, um, but I go, I go twice a week and, um, really enjoy it. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean where when you haven't done something for a while and you go back for the first day, you say, yeah, I can take on the world, do everything. The first night you want to come back home. That's fine. The next morning when you wake up, Ooh, everything is tense. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, for you, when it comes to the actual routine, what, do you, what is in your, let's say, workout schedule or your training schedule? As in, do you start off by stretching for 30 minutes and then do some basic movements? You're talking about once I get to the club, once I get to the dojo, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, we, I mean, each class, 
usually has a uh, warm-up. That's an important thing. And we do various things, running, stretching, push-ups. I live in fear of the warm-up. That's always the hardest part for me in, in some ways. And uh, my ambition is to get through the warm-up with no problem, you know, uh, to be able to do the sit-ups, the push-ups, the uh, everything, you know, and to see, you know, 14-year-old kids to be able to do it is simultaneously inspiring and frustrating, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. I, I sometimes have to take a break because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm close to throwing up, you know. But uh, yeah, but there's, there's all that kind of, you know, stretching and running and just warming your muscles up. And I would imagine judo, like let's say for taekwondo, one of the most important part of your body is your legs because there's a lot of kicking. For judo, what would you say are the most important parts of the body? Well, as the founder, Jigoro Kano said, uh, you know, it, it's um, one of the ways in which it's probably fairly distinctive. It uses the whole body. And um, so there's no escape <laughs> in terms of what can be strained, sprained, stretched. Um, and that kind of thing. Um, well, one of the things that does happen, though, is I would say that many clubs, for many clubs, the even though this is changing somewhat, the focus in terms of throws versus being on the ground is probably 80-20. 80 percent of the time, you're you're working on standing techniques, nagewaza. That's called waza means techniques, and um, then newaza or katamewaza, which is ground techniques. Uh, that's pr probably about 20% of the time. Um, sometimes the whole session is devoted to to standing techniques. Uh, whereas you know something like uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that's you know almost completely on the ground. And I would imagine when you say standing technique, it's also focusing on the balance aspect as well, right? Balance is crucial, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to disturb the other person's balance because if you do that. Um, the theory is, and you know, of course you need strength to an extent, but the theory is that somebody who's smaller or lighter can throw somebody who's bigger or heavier, you know, and, it, and it's true. Uh, my, my, <laughs> my sensei, uh, Elmer, the other day, the last training I was at, luckily they put a, a bigger crash pad out because of the throw we were doing, rather than just having the, uh, the normal cushioned mats to rely on. Because he said, okay, you know, he was trying to illustrate a, an aspect of balance. He said, okay, come in and attack me. <laughs> so I moved into, and he had the mat behind him. I moved into attack, attack him to try to grab him. And all he did was move out of the way and I fell on the mat. And I, was just, <laughs> I was laughing. I was laughing hysterically and everybody started, but it was a really good lesson. You know, I mean, I was so intent on doing one thing that I wasn't paying any attention to the other, but balance is a is a, is a crucial thing and disturbing the balance. Um, Kazushi. They call it in judo, disturbing the balance, unbalancing somebody, off-balancing somebody is is an integral part of the throw. You know, this is for standing, of course. That's interesting that you said that you, well, I wouldn't say charge him, but you went in after him and he just moved out the way. So that just goes to show that it's a psychology, it's like it's it's a mind game where you, you were expecting an yeah. action reaction. So you were going to put your force onto him. And the force you were going to transmit will go onto him, but he just moved to the side. So you had force going towards the mat. So on that note, do you do a lot of those, let's say, I would call them, I guess, mind games where you try to read the opponent's moves and then try to lead them on to do something. And then they do something that will help you benefit to win. Well, I'm, I mean, that is part of the ultimate objective, but I'm, I'm still in the stage that some other people there are in of trying to you know, in in a way, if I if I liken it to learning to drive, you know, I'm still at the stage of consciously trying to take in how to do certain throws, so that that then becomes automatic, and I can then be, pay attention to other parts of doing the throw, like like unbalancing. I mean, there everything should be done at once, but it's it's like you know when you first learn to drive, and if you're if you've learned standard or something, you're shifting the gears, you're using the clutch. You're paying attention to the road. You're scared to death. Um, you know, you're trying to do all these things at once. But after you've driven for a little while, you know, you don't think about the clutch and the gears. You know, it becomes muscle muscle memory. Muscle memory, exactly. Uh, uh, actually, do you still have some muscle memory from when you did judo when you were younger? No, <laughs> no. I just have a keen interest and passion. That's that's about it. And speaking about being passionate, do you have any inspirations? Whether it's family, friends who keep on pushing you, or even your sensei or training partners that help you be the better you? Well, definitely, as I said earlier, the whole 
club, everybody in the club is, uh, is really friendly and encouraging. And, um, and definitely, yes, Elmer, my sensei, my instructor, and uh, lovely guy. He's just a lovely guy, very welcoming. And I, I, I would say in terms of inspirations or something, you know, uh, Jigoro Kano, the founder, I, I think the guy was a genius. I mean, he, he was a visionary in terms of this, you know, doing what he did, taking existing st- styles of jujitsu and uh, synthesizing them and then making them safe enough in, in the judo context in order to go at each other full force in, in sparring. You know, obviously, if you get thrown, especially if you got thrown on concrete outside or something, I mean, you can kill somebody or you can be killed. So it's um, it's still serious stuff. But, the, and you know, he was just such a, he, he did all this on his, in his spare time as well. He was an educator in Japan, um, and he he instigated certain changes in the national school system in Japan, and um, did such a lot. But I think I think he would be actually disappointed in some um, some aspects of judo today. But and I have a couple of other people. There's there's a, a sensei whose name is Hal Sharp, and he was 92 the other day. He's really been an inspiration to me, and and uh, a guy you may have heard of called Gene Labelle. He was um, he was sometimes known as Judo Gene Labelle. I mean, he was a big wrestler, but he he kind of had, I guess, what there some people call the first mixed martial arts match in the in the uh, I think it was in the 40s or 50s. He fought a boxer and won, despite the boxer having slathered himself in slippery goo uh, in order to prevent Labelle from getting hold of him. But um, yeah, those people are are an inspiration to me. Yeah. It's cool that you look up to them, man. That, that's kind of, I guess, it wouldn't say sleazy for that guy to g- grease himself up before the fight, but it just goes to show that he underestimated his opponent. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and uh, if you look at the newspaper articles from the time, everybody was certain this, box, this boxer was a world champion, I think. Uh, I think maybe previously. I don't think he was necessarily in his prime. He actually got, um, I think LaBelle choked him out and um, just film of him just lying there on the, in the ring. And people were kind of walking around him. I don't think they realized he was out at first because they didn't expect it. They didn't expect Judah to be that powerful. It's David versus Goliath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, back to the history aspect. Are there any lines or a phrase or sayings that really hit you hard, that really mean something deep to you that you really like? One of the things that appeals to me is this we're all in it together thing. So so these two principles, maximum efficiency from minimum effort, both in terms of Judo, the physical um, side of judo itself, but also as a, a principle in life. You know, I've always liked that. The guitars, the guitar, rock guitarists I like are um, people, uh, I mean, like George Harrison, you know, who to me say the most in the fewest notes. Mm. He, used, he used to say that uh, he played the notes that were left over after everybody else played the other ones, you know. So, so the maximum efficient, uh, efficiency from minimum effort and the, the mutual benefit idea of, of of judo is um is very important to me too oh i do enjoy that it's kind of like the idea of simplicity can be beauty especially for let's say for music you don't need to put in every jam pack instrument or everything you can think of in there you can have a few simple things and it can be just as beautiful and leave the mind to wander off with the melody exactly beautifully put thank you that's, thank that's you. poetry <laughs> yes that's one of the lyrics i'm going to do for my next song <laughs> Do you, you said you're just a beginner so far, you got back into it. Do you plan to go do competitions or just keep this as a casual thing? I, um, well, I, I plan to do competitions, but not as, not as a huge focus, partly because of, you know, and this is one of the things I'm going to talk hopefully about a bit, bit more, partly because I feel there's too much emphasis on competition uh, sport, you know, this, in terms of judo as a sport. And also because um, I do want to do it because I'm sure sparring against people uh, and competing against people who I'm not used to um, can only be good, you know, getting out of your uh, comfort zone kind of thing. But I don't want to, to make competition uh, define what I want to get out of judo. I mean, I've got some things that I'd like to get out of judo are difficult to find, difficult to access these days. Although I, I do have sort of access to them in a way, to some of them. On that note, do you believe that traditional judo has been eclipsed by the more mainstream judo as a sport? Uh, yes. You know, what, what, uh, 
what some people refer to as traditional judo now has e eclipsed, or at the very least, there's an unbalanced situation that exists today in which the emphasis on sport has influenced the development of judo adversely. I think things have been taken off track uh, in terms of Jigoro Kano's original vision, um, which some people may or may not care about, but also in terms of what can be learned from judo and the, and the usefulness of it. There's a great um, saying, I'm trying, no, I wrote it down, and I'm just trying to see if I can find it here. There's a great saying that one of the first of Kano's students, so from the 1880s, a guy called Yokohama, uh, Yokoyama, he said, if you're doing judo as a sport, you're doing it for the wrong reasons or something like that. I agree with that. I know those are fighting words to a lot of people. <laughs> Don't come and fight me yet. Wait a few years. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, I do feel that uh, that judo as a sport has has resulted in a somewhat negative situation now for judo itself. I'm not against judo as, as a sport. I would just like to see things being more balanced. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like your judo nowadays, well, not all judo, but the mainstream of it is fo focusing on simply the physical aspect and they're disregarding the cultural, the historical upbringing of what judo was or what it came to be and how it had an impact on let's say the society on people and you would just want to merge both of them together and not let one overshine the other one yeah i mean i, I yes i think i think your characterization is a good one um i think there are other things though as well um uh, i mean the the emphasis on competition that's really the you know um so so the physical exercise part of it is great i mean that's part of the way that kano intended it um, he intended it to be, he described it as a, a martial art, a method of physical education and a guide to, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, living a good uh, moral life. I think that's what the mutual welfare and benefit idea sort of encapsulates. But there are also things which get neglected now and which the whole focus on sports and competition has sidelined to the extent that even coaches, even even a lot of the Olympians uh, don't know about these kinds of things. So, you know, when, for example, those people retire and, and open a club or something like that, they're not necessarily aware of uh, a lot of things. And I'm talking about here the importance of kata, which are the sort of prearranged forms. I'm sure in Taekwondo you did kata. Judo is self-defense, which which are that's what the kata are for, because kind of sort of put the self-defense stuff in there in order to make it safer in a way. Ideas about as you said, the history and what judo is all about, the sort of breadth of judo. Um, there are also things that have happened like, you know, the legacy of sports judo is, I mean, it really has, I mean, it was included in the Olympics in 1964, missed it in 68, but then has been included ever since. And that was men, actually. Of course, um, it was only, I think, in the 80s that women started to compete and only in kata. But there are, like I said, there are things which have been neglected, like self-defense training. Uh, certain techniques have been banned in Kodokan judo because the the style that um, or the the place that the home of judo physically is is the Kodokan in Japan in Tokyo, and so it's known as Kodokan judo. Um, certain things such as leg locks have been banned. Um, the there's a flying scissors kind of throw which is known as kani bansami in, uh, in japanese and i mean that's a dangerous one so i understand that but some of these things are are still practiced in safely in japanese jiu-jitsu and brazilian jiu-jitsu and wrestling i was i have i have a, one of the things i should mention is i'm not um this isn't just third-hand knowledge from reading books and stuff i have a mentor prefers to be anonymous for various reasons at this point but he is a very highly ranked judoka. His sensei was in classes with Kano at the beginning of the 20th century. And his sensei knew, was a good friend of uh, one of the giants of judo, a guy called uh, Kaiozo Mufuni. So, and his sensei passed on to him, you know, teachings and, and an, a way of, an idea of a way of going about things, which is much closer to, let's call it traditional judo, let's call it non-sport judo is the case in in uh, these sports so i've heard i've heard a lot of this stuff from him and um i mean for example i was told about one one organization that um uh that approached him based on supposedly the idea of teaching in a more traditional way and not placing the exclusive focus on sort of sporting judo and once uh 
I guess, think because he was, he, he, he's too modest to say this, but I think because he was attached to them and then they began to talk around the community about um, what they were going to do that attracted uh, a lot of funding and some changes in government policy in the particular country he's in because uh, he's, he's not in Canada. And as soon as that happened and funds were flowing, the organization dropped all the ideas, the commitments they'd made to him, even though he's, he remained a part of the organization. So in order to go back to a strictly sport focus. And there are things as well, like um, a large part of the time, if you want to get promoted once you've gone beyond your first degree black belt sh showdown, the only way of doing that in most cases is by partly getting some points, which you accrue through taking part in tournaments and competition. And there are other things as well, like um, the roles that a, a previously a sensei, an instructor might have had certain roles like um, knowing about, you know, teaching kata, being able to promote people in their own dojo, which 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 is still still the case. But, you know, now there, there are roles that have, have been split up. Like, for example, there are coach certifications you go through nowadays. And coaches, um, from what I've heard, are are sometimes less, a lot less technically aware than um, might have been the case 20, 30 years ago and beyond. And they might not know about self-defense. They might not know about uh, CPR training has replaced this uh, traditional way of reviving people if they've been choked out. And there's there's actually film of one guy doing it in the Olympics, that sort of traditional reviving thing. So it's not like this is airy-fairy nonsense. And all of these things have been sidelined into, you know, you take a course for this, which of course costs money. And so then you look towards what generates money, what generates money while having members of clubs. So it's 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 a bit of a situation now in which technical knowledge, philosophy, teaching, kata, self-defense, all of these kinds of things which one person would pass on to other people have been divided up into uh, the, being the provinces of different people. Not not all the time, but that's that's a lot of what happens in uh, in modern judo internationally. That's interesting that there's that different aspect where instead of just one person having all the knowledge shared by everybody, it's split up into different uh, people and different, let's say, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily departments and not as if it's like it's a company, but different people. Would you like to be that kind of type? If let's say theoretically speaking or hypothetically speaking, or either one of the, or the other, you decide to open up your own uh, judo school, would you want to be the type where you take on everything and pass it down or divide it up into different categories where certain people will share certain knowledge? Because you said you weren't necessarily against it, but just the idea that which option would be more preferable if you ever do decide to open one? I mean, if I were, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, but if I, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I were doing that, I mean, I mean, I've already, as part of my role, I mean, I've already, I think three or four weeks in, somebody else who came who was new and they said, okay, Geert, you know, Elmer said, can you, because I, 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 there was a particular throw, which I, I got to know, I wouldn't say I know it well, but he asked me to sort of teach it. And then he, you know, asked the higher belts to sort of tell me what I'd forgotten about that. And he tells them if they've forgotten, you know, so it's a, it's very much a, a situation which in our dojo gets, um, gets activated, you know, and, um, and I think that's, that's fairly true in that way. But yeah, no, I, I would like to see, I'd like to see everybody eventually, depending on how high they go, you know, having awareness of everything. I mean, I think that's, I think you lose things otherwise. And do you, for yourself, do you, what would you say is your strongest attribute? Would you say it's your strength, your agility, your technique, your Patience. Uh, I think uh, becoming fatigued is my <laughs> is my strongest uh, attribute. Oh, so we share the same I think, attribute. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm consistent to that. You know, I'm. Uh, um, I I well, I I actually think I'm. Uh, I mean, this this is judo in the wider sense. You know, it, I, in the moral sense, I always up for uh, trying to help somebody else. You know, and giving actually giving them more time. Uh, than I might have for for just practice a particular throw or something like that because you you take it in turns if you're par paired off with somebody and you're practicing you you as in competition you have uh, you know you're just one person you're competing against but in, in if you're practicing you take it in turns to be either the thrower or the uh, receiver as it's called the tori or the uke and so you've got different roles and the role of the uke when when you're in that position is to 
partly is to to notice what the Tory is doing and to help them with that. And at the same time, it's a learning process for you because you get to see both perspective, the person receiving and the person giving. Exactly, exactly. And, and you do, you know, you do switch. And this allows you to prepare for whichever situation you may end up in. Hopefully you're the one giving it instead of receiving all the time, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, there are great lessons in, in receiving, you know, and that, that's why um, the idea of doing a breakfall is so important, you know. Well, yeah, like your coach was receiving you coming at him and he decided, you know what, I'm just going to move to the side. And then you receive the mat. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, speaking about hitting the mat, I'm sure you didn't injure yourself there, but have you injured yourself recently doing judo? I remember you said you injured yourself when you were younger, but has it happened recently? Oh, yeah. Constant injuries. I mean, I mean I'm not joking. I mean, uh, in a constant state of, uh, of injuries, but I, because I haven't been for a while, I haven't actually. I'm pretty injury-free. I also injured myself um, practicing at home, you know, practicing my breakfalls, uh, even though I created a fairly soft landing kind of zone but that's because i'm not there's something i'm not doing correctly you know that, that that's and that's part of the learning you know you go back in you do it and they say okay well, no you actually try this or uh, or try that and this is this is pretty cool that even after you're not doing you're not doing your you're not doing judo you come back home and you decide you know what i'm going to try to improve on my own practice my skills and then get better at it hopefully you don't live in an apartment where your neighbors keep hearing you fall all the time they might. There's such a, <laughs> such a lot of noise going on in this apartment building that... Uh, Everybody, everybody's practicing their breakfalls. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't think they'd notice, actually, because I, you know, I don't, don't do things like that late at night. It's quite an... Actually, uh, just if anybody's listening and they're thinking of starting, I mean, I think one of the common things that a lot of us old fogies go through is I've seen it posted on the judo Reddit and I've um, experienced it myself is um, I, at some point, you know, I, I was reading about it and I thought I oh, had yeah, break falls and I thought, well, I can't even do a somersault. And I realized I got up in the middle of my living room and I thought, I'm scared to even attempt a somersault. And it took me a few weeks to actually, I, you know, I put it out of my mind, of course. And then a few weeks later, I thought, this is ridiculous. And I got up and I did one immediately. Survived. <laughs> but that's that's a common kind of thing. And, and you know, we do, especially as we get older, I mean, I learned, it was quite a shock to actually realize, hey, I used to do this naturally. I can remember when I was, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old, but developed a fear of that. And I read that again on the judo Reddit the other day. Somebody was saying, oh, I can't even do that. So it's, you know, there's an evolution. And so, so you've got to learn to be a receiver. You've got to learn... To, you know, they, many people say, and I think I would probably agree that the most useful and important thing that they've learned in judo is um, doing breakfalls. And other martial arts um, have those as well. Aikido has a lot, actually. That's good. You know, like sometimes for me, when I used to do something and I look back at it, I, I would ask myself, how did I do that? How did I physically, how was I physically able to do that back then? And when I try to do it these days, it doesn't work out the same, but eventually I get back into it. On that note, what was your biggest challenge when you first started judo? It's it's the physical thing. It's cardio. It's um, you know getting used to doing the break falls and worrying about that. But I have to say that you know I would say the current challenge is is you know trying to to find somewhere that that might and people who might emphasize some of the things that I've been talking about. Now, there's my club has a kata class on the weekend, and I don't usually go at the weekend. So I know that's available to me. So, um, you know, I can get some of the stuff that may be harder to get regularly elsewhere because because usually people only usually do kata nowadays. One of, one of the guys at the club actually said to me, yeah, I only do it when I'm going for a belt promotion because it's a requirement in the higher, in the higher uh, belts, you know. And that's sad because, um, as I said, it, it's sort of, I think you lose knowledge that you could otherwise be acquiring. So they see it only as like a stepping stone instead of an actual learning process, kind of like yeah. You just you need to do it to get to somewhere else, and then you just forget about it. That's that is unfortunate. It's unfortunate, and it is unfortunately very common. But hopefully, people listening to this podcast will realize, hey, you know what? This could be beneficial for me in the long run, and then it will no longer be just a stepping stone. You just walk right past. It's something that you will keep with you as you go on and apply it every time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, has judo helped you relax when you're feeling stressed? Let's say you had a long day at work and you just come home or you go to go do judo. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. Release all my stress. Definitely. I mean, definitely. It's, uh, 
you know, you know what it does as well, because I need something that interests me. I mean, if I'm, you know, I keep on telling myself I am going to start working out at home, you know, uh, and if I, if I do get on the rowing machine or, or the stationary bike, I used to, you know, position them in front of the TV because it's just such boring stuff working on. So from, from one of the part of the appeal of judo, as I said earlier, is it's fascinating for me. So it, it, it absorbs me as much mentally, intellectually as it does physically, I think. And that, yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's very important for me. So, so that, I mean, it, it compels your attention because if, if you don't do something correctly, you might get hurt. Or you, if you don't pay attention to how you're doing it so that you can say to the other person, actually, no, don't do that, or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm taken, I find myself taken out of my daily worries and my daily kind of concerns and completely immersed in that for that two hours, which sometimes seems a lot longer than two hours. No, it sounds like you want to just, it's like you, you live in this little world where judo is your own reality on, speaking of which, would you want to present judo to the world or would you want to just keep it to yourself? Because you feel, I feel like you're comfortable with doing both. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think a part of, my, um, part of my retirement from doing psychotherapy has been that I wanted to focus a bit more on myself. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, and, and, and part of that is, is um, not putting so much energy out there. And so the, but, but at the same time, as I said earlier, I, you know, part of this judo thing is, is mutual benefit for everybody. And part of it is learning to teach and passing stuff on to um, people in the dojo. So I, you know, I would say it's a mixture. I want to keep it to myself within, within the, here's the way to describe it. I mean, because that little community is important to me, I'd like to keep it to myself within that community. I'm happy to, to pass on stuff within that, that little nice little um, safe enclave. Uh, and when it comes time to compete, I will compete and limp out of there and, um, you know, go back to my club kind of thing. Yeah. And the only other sharing you're doing is on this podcast right now for whoever's listening. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, has judo, doing judo ever stressed you out? Uh, well, apart from the physical stuff, not really. I mean, I, I, um, I do prefer, and I think this is, relates to what I just said, parts of what I just said, in answer to your previous question, I, I, you know, I do prefer small classes. I think as an adult, I prefer, rather than, you know, if I'm going to a party, which doesn't really appeal to me at my age now, I, I, I'd much rather go to a small dinner party where there are very few people. So yeah, I can have hopefully meaningful conversations with them rather than go to a loud, a million people dancing, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so I think, um, yeah, I, th I, th I think that's the, the kind of attitude I have, you know, the, the sort of attitudinal stance I have kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm somewhat similar. Like I enjoy the one-on-one -on -one conversation with people like we're having right now. It's just conversations like this that makes it grand and you get to know people better and yeah, big parties were great when we were younger because you get to meet a bunch of people. But as you get older, you realize what you want in life. And it seems that you're very focused on judo and all the power to you. That's, that's what I'm saying. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Just to go, I wouldn't say necessarily a darker side, but what would you say are some misconceptions about people who do judo? I, I was trying to think. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there may be that um, idea that what people when they hear about somebody doing a martial art generally regardless of whether it's judo or not that there's some kind of magic that they have been you know some some kind of magic has been imparted to them you can correct me if i'm wrong but maybe like uh people who do judo can apply for taekwondo when i used to do it tend to be more violent or more aggressive oh that's interesting um i i've definitely come across that element actually so there i i think actually think there's with regard to some people, there's a bit of truth in that. There's a there's a particular forum on the internet that I will not go near now because. Uh, and as I, one of the guys in my club, he said, he said when I mentioned that, he said, uh, "Oh, they're just uh, those they're just jocks who are interested in hurting people." You know, but that's that's interesting. I hadn't, I didn't know that was a um, a reputation kind of thing. Oh, that was just a wild guess for any type of fighting. Well, I guess I martial arts that was just guessing that could have been a misconception misconception for people from the outside looking in seeing this but i could be completely wrong that's why it's a misconception <laughs> i mean i mean there is a thing about judo as well i mean i i, I mean there's a there's a reality about it there's just, i don't know if you've heard this but there's a there's a saying which i mean there's it's not a precise quote but there's a saying in judo that um it's about hitting somebody with a planet 
Wow. You know, you're hitting somebody <laughs> with the play. And it's true. If you look at some of the, I mean, the stuff on YouTube, if you look at, you're, you're using the laws of gravity. If you're, if you're standing up, if you're throwing somebody to potentially severely incapacitate somebody. I mean, you, you know, there's a code, you know, there's an honor thing, there's self-defense. You shouldn't be trying to hurt somebody, but, um, but just defend yourself. Yeah. It's extremely, it's extremely effective for self-defense. I mean, it, the downside is you need a lot of training, but it's, it's extremely effective. The other, the flip side of that is it's, it's extremely easy to injure yourself to, you know, there are always people on the Reddit saying popped my ACL or, you know, um, just been in for knee surgery or, you know, that I was out for six months because of this, or had to change the way I do things because of that, you know, and, um, people's fingers who've been doing it for a long time, you can see the bones are, you know, misshaped a bit, misshaped. So, so it, it is, it does take a physical toll on your body. So, so in that way, perhaps I'm fortunate that, you know, I, because I still have this interest in the twilight of my years kind of thing that, um, even though I'm older and I've got, you know, a little bit of arthritis here, that kind of thing, it's, my body hasn't been pulverized by judo. And uh, let's let's knock on wood that it stays healthy and you're doing this for the right reason. And then you don't get pulverized. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm cheering for you. Thank you. If you had to say this in, let's say, a few words or just one thing, what would you say was the main thing that judo taught you in life? I think, I mean, I mean, at this stage in my life, I don't know if it was the first thing to teach me this, but I think it's definitely reinforced certain things. And uh one of them is the more you put in, the more you'll get out. And the other is is about cooperation with people, the mutual benefit thing. I mean, it really is. I'd, I wouldn't want to be doing any other martial art because this is built in. I think the right people are generally, even though I said what I said before, most of the right kinds of people are attracted to, to judo because you know they are interested in we're all in it together. And they're also interested in maximum efficiency and minimal effort. Exactly. Now, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested or scared to try it out? And you would say, hey, just you just need to do this or give this a try. Yeah, get fit before you <laughs> before you do it. That, that, that's no, that's I, I'm serious about that actually. I mean, I mean, don't use it as an excuse. But there are lots of things, there are lots of um, you know, we live in an, an age where there are so many resources. I mean, I would say do some research about clubs, you know, um, whether it's size that matters to you, whether if you would, you know, like me, prefer a smaller place. If you want somewhere that is very, very strictly traditional Japanese, you know, um, look at that, um, look for that. Go on the, you know, there's a site called judoinfo.com. There's the judo Reddit, which I've mentioned several times. There are millions and millions and millions of, uh, or hundreds anyway, of YouTube channels. There are some Facebook groups. And, you know, ask questions, go to the library, take, take a look at some books, you know, get some books out of the library. There's some DVDs. And, the, you know, the most valuable thing, I think, once you've done some preparation so that you know what you're looking for, go along and, and either observe or take part in an introductory class. I think that's, a, you, don't need, you don't need to buy a gi, you know, the, the uniform. For that, you just need to have some, I, I just, for the first few weeks, had shorts and a t-shirt until my gi arrived, you know. Yeah, and I and and talk to. I mean, I also phoned my instructor up before I went along, you know, just to check him out, but also to make sure that the things that I'd heard, which were universally good, about that particular club, were well. I wanted to hear. I wanted to make sure that I was hearing the same things from him that I'd heard and read elsewhere. So sorry, that wasn't brief. No, 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 no. But it's good that you go into detail because whoever is listening to this will actually take the time to learn from it, and it's learn from somebody who actually cares about judo as a whole. So before we just wrap things up, you kind of answered already one of the questions with all the resources, but for yourself personally, do you have any social media links that you would like to share with the listeners? Not at this point. I wish I had my uh, <laughs> my guitar channel up. I mean, I've got all of the videos planned. I've got most of the equipment, but not all of it. So, um, I mean, I've got many guitars, but um, I need to, to buy a new computer too do some video editing. So I don't have anything right now, but um, maybe, I don't know, maybe at some point when that does happen, I can somehow get you to announce that on another podcast or something if, if you're if you're okay with doing that. Well, my, this episode is going to come out in many months from now, like two months or so, because I, I tend to record way ahead of time. So if you do do anything in the meantime, I will throw that into the description so people will find that. 
and it'll be easy to find it and just learn more about this magical, amazing person who can pretty much do anything and everything. Doesn't matter how old or how young or how long of a break you take, you can just take on the world. Let's hope that I'm not uh, injured by that point. <laughs> but, uh... I'm knocking on wood for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Now, you said you listened to a few of my episodes, so you know the last question I tend to ask is, do you have any questions for me about judo? I do. Was there anything that stood out about what I said today about judo? Anything that stood out for you or, or made an impression? What really stood out to me was the fact that you took a long break. So it was something that you're... <laughs> no, but So what I'm saying is that you took a long break. You were passionate about it when you were young. And then you took a long break. And then, what was it, 44 years, you said? Or so? Yes. 44 years break. And then you came back to it with just as much fire and passion. Which leads me to think that maybe like a lot of people who appear on my show, they might take a long break. And then they just come back with this. It's as if like... You don't forget to learn how to ride a bike kind of idea. Of course, like the muscle memory aspect, but the passion is the muscle memory of it. If that makes any sense. So that stood out to me. That makes me hopeful that if I do ever take a break from podcasting for any specific reason, that I hope that I have the same energy and passion as you do for judo. Oh, thank you. So yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Garrett, for coming on the show and sharing your hobby and actually having this wonderful conversation with me. I... I truly, truly enjoyed it. And if uh, you want to learn more about him, you could just listen to this podcast again. And also the bonus episode will I, that I will be releasing right after this episode, same day. Yeah, it's going to be weird listening to this because this is going to be included in the judo aspect. But yes, if you would like to be on my podcast, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And once again, if you're going through a hard time or need to find a new hobby for yourself or family member or friend, by all means, share this episode. Maybe judo is the way, you know, to release the stress and just tackle life metaphorically and literally, I, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Oh, actually, first of all, th yeah, thank you, Jared. Garrett. Thank you very much, Alex. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been wonderful. So once again, until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.